everyone, welcome back to part two of episode 10, season five of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. If you've missed part one, make sure you listen to it because, uh, well, we mentioned that Luton Town are third in the championship. Uh, quite crazy. We looked back at the last three games and we delved into uh, the form of Dan Potts and James Breeze. So that's the past dealt with. We're now going to look at the present and the future as we always do in part two. We're going to uh, pick the best attack of all the options that Luton have got. I'm going to get the boys' feelings now on just where we are in terms of this season. Um, We'll look ahead to the upcoming matches up to Easter Monday, and then we'll finish off with a little discussion regarding safe standing and power court in line with the uh, survey that the club put out uh, last week or week before last. Um, So, James, obviously I'm not going to dwell too much on the fact that you didn't pick Luke Berry in your midfield and next game he goes and scores a couple of goals, but attack, two attackers. Uh, far be it from me to pick a, an attacker for you, for you, but I'm pretty certain we can safely assume that Elijah Adebayo is playing up front in James Cunliffe's Luton Town 11, um, but he's got he's going to need a partner, so he's got options of Harry Cornick, Cameron Jerome, Admiral Musqui. I guess we haven't really put Fred in a uh, column yet. So Fred on your dimmer and uh, Carlos Mendes Gomez, we said we'd have him in the attacking ranks. So assuming that I'm right and Elijah does get a place in your side, who's his partner? Well, if if Burnley and Huddersfield are listening, Elijah Adebayo rubbish. He's rubbish. <laughs> um, he's, you don't want him. And if you do, particularly Burnley looking at you, you've managed to squeeze £25 million out of Newcastle for Chris Wood. I'm sure Gary Sweet would be after most of that. So just, you know, get back in your get back in your box. <clears throat> um yeah, it's got to be Elijah in it. Um gotta be Elijah. He's a great footballer, great, great, <laughs> wonderful goal scorer. Um we've spoken about in loads already in, in the first part of the podcast, haven't we? It's uh, everything contributes to to the team and um, yeah probably so much more to come from him really uh, yeah he's, he's, he's got to be in there I did think about this actually about the uh, I made a joke make, make the joke about Burnley and Huddersfield and all these teams that are sniffing about I thought it was inevitable that the, the stories would come out that teams were I, I, I trust that Luton have tied him down to a sufficiently meaty contract that um, that would ward off most teams um, it's whether he sort of I, I think he'd benefit whatever happens to Luton this season he'd benefit, benefit from another at least another season in, in a Luton Township um, but who knows so it could be an interesting summer um, but I'm not that worried about it at the moment um, I don't think I think it'd be unnatural if he wasn't getting touted around as a potential transfer fodder for. Well, he's, he's apparently he's got another two years left on his contract, hasn't he, Elijah? Yeah, yeah, that that, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, uh, you know, and I, I, I think he's, I think he's got his head screwed on as well. Uh, he's, he's probably the benefit of getting players from the lower leagues. I think where they probably. And, and the likes of Elijah, particularly where he's been at Fulham, which was a Premier League academy, and then he's had to find himself playing in the League League Two scenarios. I think that they've seen a lot more uh, highs and lows, and probably lows, and appreciate the good times more, which he's probably got, which he's not, not probably he definitely has now with Luton. So hopefully, um, he's a, sort of a humble guy anyway. I think. He'd have his head screwed on a bit more to think that his time will definitely come in the Premier League, whereas for Luton or anyone else, we may, may as well enjoy this um, rich uh, form he's in, this, this this great place he's in, and good club that seems to fit with him. Maybe as well, may as well enjoy that for a little bit longer and assess again. Um, I, I digress. They're trying to talk about the uh, strikers. You're giving me three, are you? No, this is only two up front, I'm afraid. Giving me two. Giving me two. Ah, it's got to be the most simple one, isn't it, really? It's got to be Harry Cornick. He's, um, 
this is his best season for the without a doubt, shadow of a doubt. Uh, his improvement in front of goal has been re- as remarkable as Elijah's rise, I think. When you consider he couldn't hit a barn door, it was Banjo at all in his first uh, season back. He struggled last season. Uh, the one-on-one scenarios when you got had so many, and you always thought, "Oof, I'm not sure, I'm not very confident he's going to score." And it turned out that way. I don't think he was very confident. But uh, that goal against Chelsea when he got put through just showed you he's a different animal these days. Uh, he always, he always was, he always did work hard. He always had pace, but I don't think there was always the end product. And, and I think he's much more dangerous now. Uh, he's he, he's worked on his goal scoring, he's worked on his shooting, um, but his, his overall contribution to the team and, and, and being a foil for Elijah, um, who has the ability to hold up plays and yes, bring bring midfield in, but he can also still flick it on and, and then Luton are in around the back with the pace. Uh, he, he, he's been top draw this season and um, I'm glad he's got into double figures. Um, I think that just a formidable partnership, really. Uh, you know, saying that, I, I, they are my two, and I'll, 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 I'll stick my name on that. But when they have not been playing, and other team, other players have had to come in, they have all stepped up, really. Um, probably, actually, probably with the exception of Carlos, um, he's not had that much game time, but, but he's probably one for development. Um, that's the other side of, I, I, I guess, taking. A player from the lower leagues. He'd only really had one season with Morecambe's successful season. So his his time is probably uh, further down the line with Luton next season and maybe the season after, depending on where they, uh, I guess, what league they finish in next season. But um, everyone else, I think, has, has really come in and, and, and stepped up to the mark. Um, maybe not uh, straight away, like Cameron Jerome, I thought was well off the pace and now I think he's absolutely fabulous uh, in what he's contributed to the team. Um, uh, Danny Hilton's got his goal um, and this is always a menace. And, and um, Musquay, I think, has is, is had his moments. He was really flying before the previous international break uh, and then hasn't um, quite hit those heights again. But it showed what sort of potential they've got in him. And, and Omni Dimma has actually like really been a super sub sort of role and come on and, and, and change the game and offer a bit of pace. But what he showed in the few games before this international break, um, particularly uh, earning enough to get his first start in, like not only his second start, I think, maybe his third start in the season. Um, he, he's really, you know, taking his chance when he's got it. So, it, yeah, I mean, that's the case. You could... You could make up and down the up and down the team and up and down the squad without not just looking at striking talent, attacking talent. Everybody has spoken part one about the defence and, and who's done that, and that's really a testament to what's going on at, at, at the club. Really, um, it's you know everybody is pulling in, in in that same direction. It's, it's kind of a boring thing to say, and everybody does say it, but it's a very very important thing. I'm glad you mentioned Danny Hill and I forgot to give you him as an option and I really didn't need him on the phone to me um, complaining of that. So <laughs> thank you for uh, for including him in amongst your options. Uh, he's very much one of our attacking options. Uh, I guess the way our defensive injuries have been coming along, the next cab off the ranking defence was going to be Elijah, wasn't it? So you could have had two of these, uh, <laughs> two of these strikers up front. Anyway, it's, it, it is crazy. But thankfully, the international break came at the right time. And if you've seen the um, videos doing the rounds of... Um, training particularly the academy video on the news yesterday uh, it's quite obvious that there's a lot of defenders currently back in training tony you managed to miss the defense and the midfield argument which james made a complete pig's ear of um <laughs> but you are but you are here for the attacking one and we're not going to let you uh, get away with that um it's already music to Cameron Jerome's ears, actually, that James hasn't picked him. He's already booked himself in for a hat-trick on Saturday now. But uh, I'm right. guessing I can put Elijah Adebayo up front for you. Who partners him? For me, it's uh, Adebayo and Cornick purely on goal scored this season. Um, they're the number one choice. 
without a shadow of a doubt. The backups offer different things. I mean, you've got, uh, I'll mention him first, Danny Hilton, purely for his shithousery and seeing games out is, is fantastic. Um, I think Carlos and uh, Admiral are players with an eye to the future. Um, and Fred, I think he's, he's more, although he can play there, I think he's seen more as a uh, left or right-hand sided uh, midfield or wing-back option. So those for me are the, are, are the first two. I, um, I was going to say about Harry Cornick, I find it very, very similar um, to Brian Steen when he first came into the Luton side. He couldn't hit a barn door. And, uh, he, you know, it took him a while to get his first goals in the league for Luton. And he'd start, you know, with one or two. But eventually, he started hitting regularly, hitting 20 a season for us. And, you know, and then he turned out to be a great player. Um, and it seems to be a similar sort of thing with, with Harry. So uh, those are the two I'm going to go with. But there is one thing I want to mention, guys. Um, I don't think it's been mentioned before, but we are third in the league. <laughs> We are third in the league, funnily enough. Yeah, why have we not mentioned that already on this podcast? Absolutely crazy. Um, I, I know that James is about to ask me who my two is, so uh, yeah. I'll preempt yeah. the question. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, reluctantly. I'm with you two guys. Um, I, I've got to say though, since the turn of the year, I've been massively impressed with Juro, and that is after I absolutely slaughtered the standard behind. Elijah in a column that I did on your website, James, back in about November, where I I was really, really genuinely concerned the drop off after Elijah, because you could see that injuries were going to come his way just because of the amount of time we were flogging him. And um, to be fair, since he scored that tap in against Harrogate, they always say, don't they, strikers? They don't care if one goes in off your ass or your elbow or whatever. As long as they get that goal, it gives them so much confidence. And since then, Cameron Jerome has been absolutely superb when he's been called upon. Well, yeah, Kevin, you know, Jerome has, and he, he looks like a you know a straight swap for Elijah when Elijah's not playing. But Cameron has always been a good player. But it's taken him a while to get back up to speed because you look where he came from last season. Well, there is that, yeah. He did need to cleanse himself off. You're absolutely, yeah. Uh, you're absolutely right on that score. But, you know, I mean... Yes, for me, it's just the pace that Harry provides. That's the only reason why he gets in ahead of um, Cameron Jerome for me. The pace, the pressure, the pressing that um, that he does. But there's been many a time this season that Elijah and uh, Jerome have played alongside each other and they've played perfectly well. That West Brom game in particular was one that stands out in my memory. So I'd have no problem with Jerome up front, but for me, Elijah and Cornick, they're the, uh, you know, if we're playing the playoff final tomorrow, they're the two that um, that would start it for me. But, James, are we going to be playing the playoffs? We've gone from the last two podcasts, we've gone from, well, we could be promotion candidates to the promotion train is coming along to full speed. Have we underclubbed ourselves all along? Are we going to bypass these things in the best possible way? Because there's only one more team to catch now. Yeah. yeah, there is. Um, they've just. I mean, uh, admittedly, their trains a station or two down down the track <laughs> to where we are. I'll grant you, but we are closing in. Yeah, um, it would be nice, but I think that they've probably just hit an upturn of form at the right time. Um, it would be some story if Luton could catch Bournemouth and get up automatic. But it's still going to be some story if Luton get into the playoffs. Um, and I believe they will. I, I, I really do. I think that they've probably got to be odds on now. They're four points clear of seventh. Uh, they've got a game in hand uh, on two of them. They've got to play Huddersfield, who have just lost their 19-plus game unbeaten streak uh, in, in a very limp way to Bournemouth. Um, and... Uh, I, I fully believe that they will get in the playoffs. After that, who knows? Because we all know Luton's record with the playoffs, but this is a different Luton side. Um, so maybe momentum carries them in. I think that is key for playoffs. It always is. They often talk about the team that sneaks in late into the playoffs having a, a good run. But if Luton can maintain this form and the, uh, the run that they're on currently, 
I think they finish in the third or fourth uh, in playoffs. Um, and um, uh, I think that that will be a fantastic story in its own right uh, up until that point. I think Nathan summed it up very well, I think, and it got overshadowed, I think, because he said it uh, in, the, I think, after the, in, in the QPR game, in the aftermath of that. But he said that if Luton get into the playoffs, it'd be as, as big a story as Leicester winning the Premier League. <laughs> I think, you know, from where Luton have come from, really, you know, you've got to look at the relatively speaking. I know there's a lot of people that are devout Premier League worshippers, but it's a massive story if Luton get in the playoffs. Uh, so we're four points clear of um, the playoffs to Tony. And even if everyone wins their games in hand, they can't uh, overtake us. So our destiny is now in completely our own hands. We're not relying on teams to lose games in hand or anything like that. So the question now is, and I, and I really hate to say this because it makes me so nervous, because it's so ridiculous because of everything that this season has been. But if we didn't make the top six, is it is it a failure from here? No, I wouldn't say it's a failure, Kev. Um, it would be disappointing, but in the progress that we've made as a club, um, if we finished in the top ten, um, it, it it would it would be a successful season for us. Albeit, as I said, disappointing. But it's in our own hands. The the players and the management know what they've got to do. Um, you know, we've got to play Huddersfield and Nottingham Forest again and Blackpool again. Um, so it, it, it very much is in our hands. And as long as we can finish in either of those four places, then it uh, will be all right. I think we'll be okay. I, th- I think we'll, we'll maintain the consistency. We might lose one or two on the way, but don't forget the others, they've all got to play each other. And Bournemouth have got a particularly hard running as well. So uh, I'm not saying we could pip them for second, but um, it wouldn't surprise me if somebody else could because I could see Bournemouth falling away. Yeah, I'm going to come on to Bournemouth because I'm not done with this automatic promotion malarkey just yet. Um, I'll come on to them in a minute. But James, the two seasons that Luton have been in the Championship, seventh place has had 70 points. So 71 points will have got you in the playoffs. Luton are on 63 with eight games left. Let's just focus on that 63 for a minute because that's already one point more than we gained last season. So whatever happens, this is a progressive season, regardless of whether we drop out of the playoffs, which whether it would or wouldn't be a disappointment, there's progression there. Effectively, if we're going on recent history, we need eight points from the last eight games to be a playoff side. Yeah, that's why I'm I'm thoroughly confident Luton can do it, really. That stat about uh, having already recorded better points all than last season and it being progression, I think answers to, in part, your question to Tony as well. I know it's devil's advocate question and posing that, but um, while Tony is saying it'd be a disappointment, and I agree, the goal was always to improve and, uh, and they've done that already. So um, here, it, uh, it's not like a free free hit, free shot or anything. I don't think we should start thinking about that in those terms anymore. I just think that on merit, Luton deserve to be there. And on form and everything that's happened this year, calendar year, um, and the amount of points they've taken, uh, it's been quite remarkable and phenomenal. And everybody is just doing their utmost to get Luton where they are at the moment. So I, I just think that I, I'm so confident that they're going to get in the, in, in the playoffs because the things have, things have been against them already. You know, you've had bad refereeing decisions that lost in the QPR game. You've had no centre halves available, and still managed uh, to do it. You know, you get a full strength side out. They're very hard to beat, um, and the, you know, for larger scores, everybody knows what happens then. And um, the amount of clean sheets they have, they only have to get one a lot of the time. To, to stand a chance of three points so to get 71 points is seems very achievable and then it's how high you can finish isn't it yeah I mean if you look at recent form there's only ourselves in Nottingham Forest in the top 12 apart from Fulham who they're not even in, in the conversation they're not even in this division they're playing in a world of their own that lot um, but there's only ourselves in Nottingham Forest who've won three of our last five games everyone else has failed to win three of their last five 
which kind of shows then, Tony, that we're in the kind of form that we will cement a top six spot. Um, you mentioned that Bournemouth have got a horrible run in, and you're right. Their last 10 games, eight of the 10 are against sides currently, as we sit here right now, in the top 12 in the table. Uh, do we set our sights higher than the playoffs? I can't see why not. Um, I think it's achievable. And there's one thing that you guys know about this uh, football club that we love. They never cease to amaze and surprise us, be it good or be it bad. And uh, I I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility. Stranger things have happened in football. That's the thing, isn't it? Stranger things have happened. And I mean, you only have to look at last season. The pressure does crazy things in this league. I mean, Brentford were absolutely flying to promotion last season. We beat Watford. We even helped them out. We basically gave Brentford a leg up into the Premier League and they still effed it up and had to go up through the playoffs. It is... It is bonkers what what pressure does you. And I think back, was it the first season we were in the championship? Must no, it must have been the, uh, the season before we came into the championship. Leeds were flying under Bielsa, and they also slipped up and needed the playoffs to get promoted. When you are expected to do something, James and Bournemouth, the amount of money they've spent, even again in January, anything but the top two is a is an absolute failure for Bournemouth. When you are expected to do that. It doesn't half weigh the shoulders down a wee bit when you go on the football field. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Everybody in that top six would be expecting to go up, I think, uh, over Luton. Um, that'd be their perception. And that'd be most neutrals' perception, I think. But, um, you know, you know, I say that I, I, I don't think that Luton got free hit um, on the one hand, and I, I, I believe that, that we, we shouldn't be talking about those sorts of things anymore. But I also don't believe there's any pressure on Luton whatsoever. Nobody's giving them a shot. Nobody's giving them a hope. They're all thinking this is a fluke. <laughs> I, I think that the, the club feed off that. I think there's a, a, a will prove them wrong type siege mentality uh, almost. And um, they, they thrive off this. We all know that the, the teams like Luton hashtag stuff. And that. It, it, it Everybody, they're not just the players, everybody, the fans love it because, uh, you know, there's yes, Luton 10 years ago were in the conference, but there's a lot of people, maybe too young or very short, short memories that don't remember Luton that were a top flight club and, and or, or were quite a lot of time in, in this division and mixing it with these so called big boys. Uh, that's just what Luton do historically. It's, you now have to just start looking at it as a ten-year blip, don't you? Really, the, what what has happened before getting back to the championship? Um, they're, they're back where they belong. They're back where they deserve to be. This season, they're in the position they deserve to be because you, you can't fluke being third in the league after this many games. Um, yeah, it just just reveling it. I think we are already, you know itching to get back to watch the games. I bet the players are too after this international break. Uh, and everything is just gone. It's brilliant. There's there's no pressure from, I don't think, the Luton fans or anyone else. Just enjoy it. You're absolutely right, James. I mean, uh, we've, been, we've had some um, low points and it's really been hard and tough as a Luton fan over the, you know, 15 years. Um, so yeah, you're right. Reveling it, you know, because these days don't come around that often. Yeah. It's been a long, hard road back. Um, I'm lucky enough to have seen Luton play in the top flight and I've seen them gain promotion to that top flight twice and seen them relegated from it twice. Um, and it's a special feeling and, you know, um, it was said in the past that being a Luton fan is like riding a roller coaster. That's it. And we're, we're on a high at the moment. So just make the most of it and enjoy every single second of it. What's, yeah, remar- what's remarkable, actually, Tony, is that since we started this podcast five seasons ago, back in League Two, <clears throat> you've been able to say that to me nearly every season. Uh, just yeah. enjoy it because these things don't come around very often. And they have come around virtually every season since. So, um, you know, it, I, and I'm not taking it for granted. Don't, don't, 
predicting that, but it's just been a hell of a ride. Oh, it's fantastic. You know, I I think the difference between supporting somebody like us is we have been to the depths of despair. And, you know, some of the things that we we fought through since 2003, Kev, as you'll remember. And, uh, you know, when you see these fans of Arsenal or Tottenham or Chelsea and they're crying or Man United, they're crying because we're not going to get in the top four or we haven't run. And I think, get a life for God's sake, you know. (laughs) Your side wasn't kicked out into the conference. Your side nearly didn't go out of business three times. You know, but we're still there. We're hanging on. We're fighting, and we got more to be proud of than any Man United fan, than any Liverpool fan, any Chelsea fan. And long may it continue. Amen to that. Yeah, you mentioned uh, James that some people aren't um, old enough or able to remember uh, Luton as a top flight side. There's an awful lot of social media feeds that don't seem to register Luton as a top flight mm-hmm. side. Because if I yeah, see a yeah. picture of Kenilworth Rose away in with this could be a Premier League round next season. One more time. I swear to God, I'm going to block some, do some serious blocking on Twitter. It's uh, it's well, unreal. I, I, I saw one, Kev, um, and this, this guy, it was an article that I'd done, and I responded to the article. I, I sent him an email. I said, do you research? Because this guy said, uh, in, in this article, he said, oh, uh, Luton have never played in the top flight. I said, hey, <laughs> if we have, we've done 16 years there. And it used to be called Division One. You know, and for your information, we were actually founder members of the Premier League. Yeah, we were relegated the season. It started, right, but we were founder members of it. I didn't agree with that at the time, and I still don't agree with it. But, you know, we will be back there. Hopefully, it'll be next season. If it isn't, it will be one season very, very soon. Yeah, absolutely will. Yeah. Football definitely came along before 1992. Exactly. On this past, on this podcast, that is for absolute certain. Hey, look, we're in an absolutely fantastic position. As Tony said a minute ago, we are third in the championship. Can't believe that we're still there. Uh, still... Are we really, Kev? <laughs> we absolutely are. are. Yeah, sure. we, we really, we are third. Oh, and what's best right. is we're recording That's this on a Wednesday day. night. We're going to be third for at least another 48 hours as well until That's Huddersfield right. play at Hull on um, Friday. Um mm. Come but we're on. in a great position. We're in control of our destiny. I put it to Peter Kioso when we had Pete on the uh, on a special podcast last week. If you've not listened to that, he's great. Um, do recommend listening to that. Not just because it was me that done the interview, but he was he was good. And I put it to him. We've got eight cup finals left, and he said we've only got eight cup finals if we win the first cup final. All that cliche bollocks, which is absolutely right. To be fair, I absolutely echo what they're saying, but. They know the position they're in, the players. But I didn't sense from him that he was feeling any shackles or pressure or anything like that. They're embracing it. Us as fans, we're going to embrace it. We're selling out here, there and everywhere. Sky TV has suddenly realised that Luton Town Football Club exists. These last eight games are going to be absolutely fantastic. And uh, I can't wait for them. And the first one of those, James, comes up on Saturday. It's a historical game, this one. Luton against Millwall. Um I'm amazed it's going ahead Saturday at three o'clock because I think it's the first time it's not been on Sky since we got promoted back into the Championship. They seem to always want to show us for some uh, unknown reason. But uh, actually, they're one of the teams that could still make the playoffs themselves. So they're not going to be able to come down here and shut the door and park the bus and do any of that horrible, dirty, nasty nonsense. we got to whisper it quietly. We're not necessarily the best out of an international break, but can we buck that trend? I don't see why not. Everything, <laughs> you know, all, all um, old preconceptions and all bets are off now. I think that, um, you know, just you know, feeding on that point of there being no pressure, I, I, I genuinely believe it. I think that, that that will help Luton flourish against some of the sides that are in there and trying to stay in there or Millwall who need every point they can get their hands on to try and, to try and get in there and um, this season, or definitely at, um, at Millwall's place earlier in the season, I think was sufficient enough to put the end to this uh, Millwall hoodoo that has been around of late, where they've not played well at all. Um, they they deserved it down down in their place, and then um, it, it's just one of the reasons why Luton are in this position because they've been doing that to apart from QPR, to, to most most teams that they've had that against. 
I mean, let's be honest, if QPR and Birmingham weren't in this division, we'd be in the Premier League by now, wouldn't we? It's just it's just ridiculous what those four clubs have taken off of us this season. Stick those 12 points on and it's happy days. Um, James is right, though, Tony. We we were very convincing winners down at Millwall, like the, the probably the consummate away performance. That's got to give us confidence on Saturday. Definitely, because if you look at Luton's sides of old, if we ever came up against big physical sides... We didn't perform. We were brushed aside, but that's not happening now. Um, Millwall are one of those sides. Um, you know, it was great. It was, it was a great performance. Uh, two goals from Harry Cornick, if I remember rightly, um, and we deserved the three points. Now, uh, you know, we've got that game on Saturday, and then we'll have another one coming up against the big bruising side in uh, Cardiff as well. So, um, I, I, I think we could, we we'll do enough to the three points on Saturday. And if we do win those three points on Saturday, then James, we all of a sudden, we get into this kind of Sky TV helping us out and not helping us out scenario because we play our following game prior to, prior to the time that um, Bournemouth play their next game. And our, our following game is away at Peterborough. Uh, we don't take any side lightly in this division. I'm pretty sure of that. But if we did need a reminder not to take them lightly, they helped us out massively by beating QPR just prior to the international break. But we were so dominant against them on the opening day of the season. Again, with, well, supposedly no defenders, but as it turned out, Naismith and show bloody good defenders as, uh, as it turned out. But um, you've got to think we're going to go there. We're going to go there armed with 4,000 Luton fans in the away end, judging by ticket sales. That's going to be a fantastic night and a night that uh, we could really put some pressure on Bournemouth. Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> I suppose that the thing about they've come out and beaten QPR is one thing, but QPR were in an absolutely god-awful run until they turned up at Kenon Road and they got their customary three points. So they've just returned back to what they were, really. Uh, and Posh are obviously fighting for their lives. Um. But Luton should not be worried about teams in the bottom half of the table anymore. It's just, I think, I think we said this sort of towards the end of last season now, and what Luton are achieving now, they they should be expecting to go to a team like that and, and get uh, get a win. So, yeah, another three points. Yeah, it was a bit of a schoolboy error. QPR turning up without their officials for that game against uh, Peterborough, <laughs> wasn't it? I mean, uh, who'd have thought that they'd. Uh, that they'd have done that. But Tony, we were so convincing against them on the opening day of the season. Uh, it's not going to get lost on anybody. And uh, I've got to keep on saying it. Our midweek record this season is absolutely amazing. 11 wins, three draws, no defeats. Midweek is Tuesday and Wednesday. None of this Monday and Friday nonsense. Pure midweek games of football. We are 11-3-0. 11 wins, three draws, zero defeats. Uh, that zero, that's going to remain, surely. I see it remaining, yeah. Um, we can't take them lightly and I don't think the side will. Um, Peterborough, as James has said, they'll be desperate for the points, but I think we've got enough to, to win the game. I think Peterborough will be far more worried about us than we, than we will be about them. So uh, I expect us to pick up three points there. Yeah, and if we take any more tickets from their allocation, they may as well give us the entire stadium, to be fair. Um, won't be as many in the away end at Huddersfield, James, but at £10 a pop, you're a cert- there's certainly uh, plenty of incentives to go up there if indeed you can get the Monday night off and go along because this is a big game. This is a proper big game, isn't it? Uh, Huddersfield away, they're the team right below us in the table. Yes, we've got a game in hand of them, which we'll have played by that time when we play Peterborough. Um so who knows, maybe we might even be far enough clear that it isn't a big game. But right now, it's a fairly big game. Uh, the nil-nil drawdown, here, I'm not going to remember that for uh, for very long. Hopefully it's a better game than that for all of us that are trekking up to Yorkshire. But how do you see that one going? They've they've suddenly lost their last two out of nowhere, haven't they? Yeah, they have. And um, they had not lost for such a considerable amount of time, which is why they're in the position they are. But um to have lost to like that suggests um, a, a perhaps slowing down of that momentum, if not a, a killing of it. I wouldn't go so far as to say that. They've, they've clearly got enough about them that they're in this 
position. You can't say that Luton deserve to be where they are in third and not say that Huddersfield don't deserve to be where they are in fourth. They absolutely do. <clears throat> I think the position uh, that Luton have now got themselves into, and if they win that game in hand against Posh, which we are predicting they will, then I, I think it's more that Huddersfield have to beat Luton than anything else. And that's, that's those are odds I like. Um, because it was a tough, tough game um, down at Kenilworth Road. Um, and I'd, I'd probably see the same again. So I, won't, I wouldn't be disappointed with the draw. Yeah, I mean, Huddersfield aren't in that position that we're in, um, whereby we're in control of our destiny. They're not. If Nottingham Forest, Middlesbrough and Sheffield United win their games in hand, they'll all go above Huddersfield, such as the amount of games that they have played, which is quite crazy when you think they made the... Uh, last 16 of the FA Cup as well, which was the same round that we got to. So how they've played so many more games, uh, I'm not sure. But um, Tony, yeah, that that was a hard game at home. And obviously, we've got our former friend Matty Pearson in the opposition that night. Um, hopefully, he won't be magic. Hopefully, he won't you know, uh, do anything like that. But I remember in the great escape, we went there, didn't we? And we nicked a win on Sky yeah. on a Friday afternoon. Um, so maybe the Sky cameras could be good omens for us. Hopefully. Hopefully, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm beginning to sound a, a bit like an echo chamber of for uh, uh, James there because I, I'd be happy with the point there, and uh, I think we're quite capable of doing that. And I think all the pressure will be on Huddersfield again in that game. Yeah, we're speaking of pressure, and of course, having had the chance to put pressure on Bournemouth, Bournemouth would have had the chance to reply in kind because their game hasn't been moved that weekend. They still play on the Saturday afternoon. My old man, who you both know, who I think quite often talks a load of bollocks, keeps on telling me that promotion and leagues and everything else are won at Easter. So we've got two games at Easter and the first of them is obviously a blockbuster game. Home to Nottingham Forest. It's already been moved. It's a 12.30 kickoff. if you're not aware. It's on Sky Sports. Um, this could be the defining game of this run, James. Yeah, very possibly. They've been on an absolutely fantastic run of form since they've swapped managers, haven't they? Um, uh, yeah, they're, they're a very good side at the moment um, and they'll fancy that they're getting back to the place that they should be as well. Um, but they've got to come to Kenneth Road and, and do the business there. And at, this, at that stage, after Peterborough and Huddersfield, they obviously... Will, they'll need, they'll be looking to beat Luton, won't they? so it'll be, I think it'll be an open game. Um, but uh, in the same vein of saying there's no pressure on Luton, I think that that, that Luton fans and their Kenilworth Road Stadium will be absolutely rocking for that because they'll know how know how important it, it is. And there's been a lot of teams that have come unstuck. Uh, coming to Luton thinking that they're better than they are. So um, I fancy that one. I do. Yeah, that's already a sellout, even though it's two weeks to the, uh, more than two weeks to the game. That's already sold out as well, which is incredible. And I'm sure all the games are going to be sold out from here on in. So if you haven't got tickets to games that you want to go to, make sure you get them um, pretty quick. Um, Tony, the away game against Notts Forest was one of, well, one that got away from us because we dominated that game, should have beaten them with 10 men, a larger missed penalty. OK, we all know um, that they can get missed and the goalie made absolute worldy in injury time. Can we get some revenge and make it a real good Friday? We're quite capable of doing it. I mean, um, normally looking against Forest games are quite good games because both sides like to play football. Um, and, you know, they are on good form, but so are we. And it, this is going to be, I think, a difficult, difficult game to call. Um, to be honest with you, I, I, I think I'd settle for a, a draw there. Yeah, I think most would. Uh, I, I mean, this could be famous last words, but for me, that's the hardest game that's left on our running because I fully expect Fulham to be um, three parts to the wind, I think, is the technical term by the time. Know, uh, you know, it's frustrating because you know full well that our side are quite capable of winning all of those games. Yeah, we absolutely are. We absolutely are. I'd love us. Sometimes beyond our control, because like the QPR game, officials have a big big say in it. Like you said about the game at Knott's Forest, the penalty should have been retaken because the keeper was miles off his line. 
Um, so hopefully it'll be our turn to get a bit of the rub of the green when we play them. Yeah, that's very true, actually. I forgot that he was standing on the six-yard line when Elijah uh, hit that penalty. The good thing about that game is it ain't a cup final because we sure as buggery can't beat them in one of them, can we? Um, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, hope for, hopefully if we do have to settle for the playoffs, it's certainly not Notts Forest in the final because that's not good omen. Last game then uh, that we're going to preview, James, is, well, it's, we're running to another one of our former friends, Cardiff away. You've just said that there's nothing to be scared of in the bottom half of the championship, so we're, we're not going to be scared of Cardiff away. At this stage of the season, Kim, I'm not scared of anyone. I fancy them all. I really do. I know. <laughs> you know, I, I, I thought it was going to be a nine-point week after the last podcast, and then the officials against QPR put the mockers on that straight away. But that did not detract from the fact that Loon were actually really quite good, particularly in the first half. Um, so at this stage of the season, the form they've won, the points they've picked up, uh, you know, the adversity they've had to face, I just fancy them to win them all. It's a rare, rare position to be in for me, and I'm revving of it. I'm getting scared. I'm getting scared. <laughs> I've done this podcast for five years. When you say things like that, it scares me. Uh, this is the only time, Tony, apart from Saturday, that Luton and Bournemouth play at the same time in this little run of fixtures. Bournemouth are at Coventry that afternoon. We're at Cardiff. Uh, previous to that, we're all, we all we play at different times. Um in all, in all of the fixtures. So this is going to be a kind of a, a big game, really, uh, based on that. Um, again, the home game, you you mentioned it a minute ago with the direct sides that we struggle against. And of course, we did struggle against them. We lost 2-1. Um, Collins didn't score, but made himself a nuisance, didn't he? But we're a better side now, aren't we, than we were, even, even as far back as recently as November. So can we go down there and win? I mean, Jake I, I, Jervis I, has scored for us down there for Christ's sake, so we yeah, must be able yeah. to do something down there. <laughs> I, I, I firmly believe that we are. You, you're right in what you say, Kev. We are a far better side, and we are coping much, much better with physical teams. Um, and I, I expect us to get a card if we can get three points. Which would be a fantastic return because... Well, James has given us 15 points. Tony's quite happy with 13. Maybe happy with 11. And... Uh, mm. I probably wouldn't be too unhappy with that either because whatever happens, if we get that kind of return, we are going to be right on Bournemouth's coattails going into the last three games of the season, which we will preview in our next podcast when we do that. But uh, yeah, five great games there. Five games that away ends are going to be absolutely sold out. Uh, just on that Cardiff game, uh, tickets um, were announced today, £19, so certainly not over-expensive for championship football. and. Um, Safe standing tickets are on offer. And that brings us into our final topic of this podcast, which is safe standing. Um, James, power court, it's getting closer. We know it's getting closer. And the club are obviously finalising their plans now. And they last week, they sent out a survey to all supporters uh, asking for their opinions on safe standing. Safe standing, by the time power court goes live, safe standing will be an official thing in this country. I think everyone is pretty confident on that. There's no downside to safe standing, is there? Not for me, Kev. I, I, I had my say on that survey, uh, and I I put my check in the box next to have it in multiple places around the ground. I think it's fantastic. Um, you know, it's not the old, it's not the old um, standing. I, I'm old enough to just about remember it when I was a, a younger kid, um, and it could be exhilarating and scary at the same time. Uh, I was at I was actually at Spurs' new ground at the weekend. I got somebody give me a complimentary ticket to go and watch Saracens uh, play Bristol in the league chasing. So I went down there, and they they've got them um, safe standing uh, in their sort of cop type stand that they've got behind the the goal. And I thought it it, it looked really good. It, it worked really well. Admittedly, the football and rugby are different different crowds, but it looked um, <clears throat> for anybody that's not really uh accustomed to it i don't re- doesn't really know what it is it, it, it essentially gives you the same space as a, a seat except you're able to stand in it it's got sort of barriers on each row of seats so it's not going to be that big expansive space that if a goal scores you'll get a push from the back and there's going to be a crush none of that it's it, it's safe it's called safe standing for a reason it looks good um and i just think it's going to massively enhance the atmosphere and 
I, I have no doubt that they'd probably um, look to try and do it in the new stadium, considering the, the amount of small details they're putting in or, or the attention to detail they're putting in to try and ensure that they can transfer the atmosphere from Kenneth Road to, to Power Court. So um, I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, it. It seems to work well in other countries, I think Germany, very well. Borussia Dortmund, I think, have got uh, the, the perfect example of it. That yellow wall of theirs is a lot of that so standing. I think, um, if not uh, permanently, you can um, temporarily put say standing and something like that. And you know, they're, they're, they're making the, that stadium uh, flexible for the future. I think it's it's, it's the term, but um, to, to, to do that, I think is a it, it's a no-brainer. I, I think uh, all power to the attention of detail they're, they're putting into that stadium. I absolutely can't wait to get to be in there. Yeah, no, I yeah, I completely agree. And I have also filled in that survey and I'm very much an advocate of safe, stand, uh, safe standing. Uh, and I, I also would like to see it in multiple parts of the ground. Those who want to stand should be allowed to do so. And um, and why wouldn't you? You know, there's an awful lot of uh, of Luton fans are of a generation um, where standing was the norm. And Tony, you're one of those. And um, it'd be good to sit back in football again. Oh, definitely. It, it helps with the atmosphere in games as well. And it's something I, I want to see back there as well. Um, at one time, I was like, you know, I really want to stand at football, you know, these days, it's not so much because my knees hurt and my back hurts, and but that's kind of getting old, isn't it? So, uh, but no, I think it'd be great. It, it, it should be there, um, and uh, these rail seats are, are fantastic, as James said. You, you know, you've got the space that you would get with a, a normal seat, which obviously isn't a great deal at Kenilworth Road. But <laughs> um, you know, great. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. The sooner it's be- it's back, the better. Yeah. And the interesting thing, I think I'm right in saying, in fact, I know I'm right in saying, if you have it in the home end, you've got to have it in the away end. So that will also um, strengthen the atmosphere as well, won't it? You know, uh, there might, might be that some away fans don't want to take up the, the safe standing allocation. I don't believe that would be true for one minute. I think once it comes in officially, I think safe standing will be very quickly the norm and it might even take over the stadiums. Uh, who knows? But it's absolutely the right thing to do. Even now, people like to stand at football and then you get stewards come around, cuff you around the back of the neck, sit down, sit down. To be fair to our club, they're very good. They try and get the standards to uh, buy tickets at the back of the away end, which is uh, good because we've got fantastic um, atmosphere in away ends without those. Sorry, Kev, I'll cut across you, mate. But I was going to say, I don't think you'll see a return to the, to those days that I've experienced in the standing in the Oak Road end where, you know, you'd be at the at one side of the Oak Road and then we'd score and after the celebrations, you'd find yourself at the other end of the, of the Oak Road or you'd find yourself about eight or nine, ten, uh, you know, uh, terraces down because it was all so packed and... and, and it, it, it was fantastic. It was a brilliant, brilliant atmosphere, but it could be uh, a bit of a crush and stifling for some people. Yeah, no, you are very firmly within your own sort of parking space, if you will, aren't you, with um, with safe standing. I mean, you mentioned that, Tony. I ended up 10 rows down from where I sit when Cal Nation scored against Bournemouth this season. I have <laughs> no bloody idea how I got down there, but, um, you know, and I think my back's still um, living to tell the tale. But, um yeah, safe standing. I've certainly, as far as us three are concerned, uh, very, very good to come back in. And it's fantastic to hear that the club are, well, they're obviously lining it up at Power Court. It's just how much um, they install in it. And obviously, if more people have responded to that survey in a positive light with safe standing, the more safe standing options there'll be for us porters when we move home in the not too distant future. Uh, just a few things before we round off this episode of the podcast uh, we can now or we have now actually announced that the end of season presentation evening which for the last two years has had to be done virtually um is back in person it's at venue 360 as always on sunday the 1st of may right now that's the day after fulham away albeit i think everyone's expecting uh the time of that game to change but sunday the 1st of may may bank holiday weekend um 7 30 starts so if you want to 
find out in person who will replace Simon Sluga as the Luton Town Player of the Season. Get your tickets now. They're on sale at the ticket office. You can buy them via a link that is online on our website. £35 per person and you will get to see all of the awards that night presented, including a Goal of the Season Award, which is running along quite nicely and will be quite an interesting one this season, that's for sure. That one will replace Kazengalua Loire's goal, which Tony voted for five million times because it came against Wickham last season. <laughs> um, no goals against Wickham for him to vote this season, but we will be announcing the finalists for that goal of the season vote within the next couple of weeks. There's one more vote to go to determine the last two finalists in that. And then the, uh, all members will be dealt, uh, sorry, sent an email telling them how to vote for goal of the season. Uh, players, management and coaching staff will all be at that evening. So it's always a great night. The three of us will be there and uh, there'll be plenty of sort of uh, great analysis on stage. And as I say, nine awards will be presented out, including the uh, Kevin Catlin Memorial Award, which Tony will be presenting himself and will announce that on Sunday, the 1st of May. We'll be back with the next podcast before that Blackpool game, which if you haven't heard, has already been moved for Sky TV. That's now a 12.30 kickoff as well. We'll record that after the Cardiff game. So until then, chaps, enjoy the next three weeks of football. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. Have a great Easter. Don't eat too much chocolate. And I'll see you both next month. 